Hi, this is Jonathan Keller. And this is John Girardi. Happy to be with you on Life, Family, Liberty, a podcast from California Family Council. Uh, it is tax day, April 15th. Oh, man. Yeah, little, little exciting, but the worst day of the year for a lot of people. <laughs> but we do have some good news to bring to you today. Well, it's been a really crazy week, John. It's been a very crazy week for us. We've been flying back and forth between uh, our headquarters in, in Fresno to go up to Sacramento to take part in a lot of important events and talk with a lot of important legislators about a lot of important stuff. So, Jonathan, why were we in Sacramento uh, this past Tuesday? We were in Sacramento on Tuesday because there was a rally to oppose Kamala Harris, who is the current attorney general. Uh, we were calling her out for what we really believe is a blatant misuse of government power and authority. Some of you may remember, we haven't talked about it much on the podcast, but David Delighton, the founder of the Center for Medical Progress and former member of Live Action, last year released a series of undercover videos as part of their human capital expose. And in those videos, it basically showed how Planned Parenthood clinics across the country, but especially here in California, two specific partners of Planned Parenthood here in California, were selling fetal tissue, basically baby body parts, for uh, profit. And it was it was really tragic to find out these revelations happening right here in our own state. David released these videos to the public. They got massive media attention. They've led to the, the issue of Planned Parenthood funding becoming a key part of the presidential campaign. Mm-hmm. But, John, I'll hand it over to you. What What happened just over a week ago with the Department of Justice. Rather than prosecuting Planned Parenthood or going and subpoenaing Planned Parenthood's records, what did Ms. Harris do? Right. Well, there's been various accusations by Planned Parenthood that David may have violated privacy agreements or done this or that. So rather than focusing on the widespread, this sleazy industry of people selling the body parts of unborn children to researchers and getting money off of it, Uh, Rather than looking into that, rather than trying to tighten those practices, rather than possibly prosecuting people that David exposed as very clearly engaging in violations of federal law, the California Attorney General's office sent 11... Uh, we, 11, we won't call them jackbooted thugs. We but, won't uh, call them jackbooted. They were, they were probably just guys trying to do their job. So uh, they were 11 agents sent to David Leiden's home to uh, ransack it, search his computer... Now, David hasn't been charged with anything, so clearly this is sort of an evidence-gathering act on the part of the California Attorney General's office for Some possible... people might call this a fishing expedition, it, but, but... Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, it, I, presumably they got a warrant for it, but yeah. still, it, you know, it, it just seems like, you know... Disproportionate response? Seems like you're minoring the majors and majoring the minors. Yeah. Like, here's this massive industry based on selling human body parts mm-hmm. that's clearly financially driven... And instead of focusing on that, instead of working for reforms to the law in that area, no, we, we, we shove aside Assemblyman Patterson when he, he introduces a law in the California Assembly to uh, reform this whole thing. We don't even, they wouldn't, the Rules Committee wouldn't even consider it. Yep. Didn't even but, assign it a hearing. But this, this journalist who, you know, whether he violates a privacy agreement, what, I mean, is exposing something really huge. You're going to allocate state resources to go after this guy, this whistleblower yeah. who's exposing corruption in a powerful organization. And and why is that? Well, Kamala Harris is radically pro- pro-choice. She's received in, in multiple 
political campaigns that she's run. And, and by the way, to clarify, folks, this is not like the federal attorney general's position. It's a political office. Right. And Kamala Harris, has, so she's run for this political office with the support of Planned Parenthood. Yeah. She is also running for the United States Senate and has received donations from Planned Parenthood. Now, we're, yeah. we're a 501c3. We don't take positions. Uh, Cal- California Family Council does not take positions on elections. We, you know, that, that's, we're, we're not we, getting We do not that. oppose or support any op- individual candidate for public office. Right. But, but th- we're just pointing out the fact that she has received donations from Planned Parenthood uh, for her campaign. She even has some, uh, some module has on her website, some petition thing on her campaign website that you can sign in support of Planned Parenthood. So it seems like she's... Going after this guy who's exposing corruption, did he violate the law? I, I don't know. And then clearly they have more access to more evidence about this than we do. Uh, a lot of this stuff isn't public. But but yeah, the idea that we're focusing on David Daleiden and ignoring a multi-million dollar industry based yeah. in the sale of fetal tissue and people profiting off of it. Or, it, or if not profiting, the line is so wavy between profit and uh, offsetting costs uh, it, that as to be laughable. Well, and at bare minimum, again, I, I just want to reiterate, we, we're not bringing up these comments about Kamala Harris because of any political campaign she's in. We're not bringing it up because she is a registered Democrat. We're bringing this up because she is, in our opinions, bought and sold, bought and paid for by Planned Parenthood. Right. And she's using the state's resources to go after, hard to argue that there's a single person who is a greater foe to Planned Parenthood in the state of California than him, Yeah, than, than he, rather. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think the key is also that for people who maybe aren't as legal nerdy as I am or actual attorneys like you are, okay. um, c- can you just very briefly kind of explain the concept of prosecutorial discretion? Sure. So the executive branch of government is charged with enforcing the laws. So that means the president or in California, the governor and under the governor, executive officials like the attorney general and the various district attorneys. Now, do district attorneys prosecute every single crime that is committed in the entirety of their district? No. There are some times when you have to exercise prosecutorial discretion when you believe either the likelihood of a, of a conviction is so low that, and the lack of evidence is so great that it's not worth your while to expend the resources of the government to prosecute this. Uh, sometimes, even for public policy reasons, you might think, here is someone who is a whistleblower who is exposing this humongous corruption in some humongous entity. Maybe we should take a harder line approach with the humongous entity than with the powerless whistleblower. And the the idea that we're going to gloss over everything Planned Parenthood is doing just to focus on David, it just seems to me like, again, we're majoring the minors and we're minoring the majors. Uh, Again, just just pointing out that if the shoe was on the other foot, again, we're we're very carefully making sure that we're not making this a political issue, but... I think if the shoe was on the other foot, let's imagine maybe there was a Democratic office holder who was investigated by a special prosecutor, say, maybe Ken Starr, we'll just call him. <laughs> let's, uh, say his, let's say his name rhymes with Ben Starr. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure that if the positions were reversed politically, that there would be no questions about the impartiality or the motives or the nature of, of going after said President <clears throat> William Jefferson Clinton. And uh, again, John, I'm I'm not an expert on this specifically, but and, and I know we can't probably directly figure this out. This is a little bit in the weeds, but 
it's very regular for people who are involved in the executive branch, especially for either law enforcement officers or for justices, to recuse themselves if they have a personal interest in a case, right? Yeah. I can't say I know the exact details of Harris's relationship with Planned Parenthood to the extent whether it would have required her to recuse herself. I mean, just because you receive donations from Planned Parenthood doesn't mean you can't prosecute like yeah. otherwise you know if, and, if, if and, and, and again we we don't know exactly all the stuff that david did relating to planned parenthood i mean if, if david did really bad criminal acts or something against planned parenthood it doesn't mean planned parenthood completely loses all of their rights uh just because their political sure. action arm gave money to Kamala harris but there there is a real kind of appearance of impropriety at the very least for, for speaking as someone who does not know all the details it seems suspicious and creepy and sleazy that she supports abortion, she gets money from Planned Parenthood, she encourages people to support Planned Parenthood, they're tied at the hip, and she conveniently is going after, again, the guy who, if, if there's, I don't think there's any single person in California who is a greater foe to Planned Parenthood than David. And to, to send 11 yeah. guys into his one-bedroom <laughs> studio apartment yeah. to Rand's. I mean, like, I, I don't know how they all fit in yeah. there. Yeah, Th- that um, was the point I, I made when we were co-hosting this rally, calling for accountability and calling for Attorney General Harris to resign. California Family Council hosted that alongside Susan B. Anthony List and Survivors and uh, Students for Life of America, Capital Resource Institute, and that, that was the question I asked was, I mean, for crying out loud, 11, 11 officers in a one-bedroom apartment ransacking things, searching things. And they took, they took computers. They took data. Uh, some footage that he has not even had a chance to release yet is now yeah. in the possession of the U.S. Uh, government. Yeah. Or the, or the, the, California, the California, California government. California yeah. government. We attended that rally. Jonathan spoke at the rally. If you're interested in seeing the video of that. Where could someone go? Uh, one could go and look at that footage on our website. Uh, we'll po- put a post up there that has some details, some photos and things, mm-hmm. uh, along with direct links. But you, if you go to californiafamily.org, uh, we'll post an update from the Kamala Harris rally. You can just look for it there. You'll see it. But you can also go to our Facebook page. We have a lot of uh, tagged photos there and video and there as well. Okay. Sounds good. So while we were up in Sacramento, we also were checking out the various bills that are being introduced in the California State Assembly and and Senate this legislative session. A lot of bad stuff being introduced, some good things being introduced. So why don't we'll do a quick rundown just to keep you informed and updated what's going on. Uh, We'll start with SB 1146. John, why don't we get started with this? This is probably the the creme de la creme. Yeah. The creme de la cruddy. The creme de la crud. I was trying to think, how do I say this without cursing? Uh, The one that I'm thinking, yeah, I would agree. This is this is what I think some of our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom have actually termed uh, an Armageddon bill. Uh, the reason it's so bad is this this bill basically would require that all the private... So yeah, colleges and universities. Exactly. All the colleges and universities, schools like Biola and William Jessup University up in Rockland and Fresno Pacific right here you know, in Fresno, and other, other universities like that around the state, they would be forced to, to choose between staying true to their convictions or potentially facing massive uh, lawsuits from students or faculty. Uh, basically, potential, fa- or potential, yeah, faculty. potential faculty. It, it would create what's called a private right of action. and That's I'll, lawyer talk for you can sue someone. 
it, yeah, it, it's not criminal, so obviously there, there's not going to be jail time involved or anything, but it massively opens up the liability angle for these colleges to say, look, it, if you choose to say, for example, we have a Christian counseling program, and we counsel from a, a purely biblical basis, and we do not want to hire, based on our biblical beliefs, a professor to lead that program who is himself or herself a member of the LGBT community. We well, or living living in a same sex yeah. relationship or something. Yeah, yeah. We uh, you know that that's outside uh, our creedal statement of faith. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry, you are now open for an employment discrimination lawsuit. Right. So what what this does effectively there are existing non discrimination statutes for colleges and universities that say you can't discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation in hiring, in student admissions, in student disciplinary policies, things like that. Most religious colleges and universities have an exception for it, and the, the exception is because, for the most part, most Christian universities believe that, based on the Bible, homosexual, ho- homosexual activity uh, is sinful, and so for the sake of both internal governance of the university, we want to hire professors that are on board with our message, with our ideals, and for the sake of student discipline and things like that, they have policies on the books that are, quote, discriminatory according to existing, uh, according to otherwise applicable non-discrimination statutes. All of those exemptions, in effect, would be stripped away for any of the schools that claim exemption from federal uh, Title IX uh, anti-discrimination decrees. So effectively, there are about four schools in the state who who are exempt from federal Title IX that would just be open up to a lawsuit for any act of discrimination on the basis of homosexuality. So effectively, these schools have to choose. Either we cut ourselves off from all state funding, or we keep doing what we're doing and we get sued. Um, yeah. So it, it's a horrible. It's a horrible bill. The, all we want, I, I think, all we want is for biblically based Christian, Catholic, whatever colleges and universities, not to have to accept homosexual activity. Yeah. As a good. Yeah. Or or transgender activity as a good. You know, it's one thing to ask for toleration. It's another thing to force someone to go against their conscience and to embrace as good something they they genuinely believe to be evil. Yeah, um, specifically, and again, not saying that these these individual people are evil, but if you look at no. a if you look at a traditional understanding of biblical morality, a traditional understanding of scripture, I think we would both agree it actually would be uncaring and unloving yeah. if we actually believe that these are sinful activities. Right. And all we're asking we're not asking the state to recognize that universally. All we're saying is let us recognize that. Let right. us recognize that within our colleges. Within these historically, biblically-based colleges and universities. In, right. in some cases, I think Biola has been around for, I think, 100 years or almost 100 years. Yeah. And, and some of these Catholic universities have been around for longer than that. And there's never been really any controversy with their funding or their practices in the past. This is, this is really an entirely new controversy just since the Obergefell decision last summer. Right. So, yeah, SB 1457—excuse uh, me, 1146, definitely on our uh, bill-to-watch list. Uh, SB 1457 is a good bill. Uh, SB 1457 is uh, the Released Time Religious Education Bill. Essentially, uh, this bill was introduced by Senator Mike Morell from Rancho Cucamonga. The most fun city the to say. The most fun city in California to say. And what SB 1457 does is it allows students to participate in off-campus— 
religious education instruction and to have that religious education instruction apply towards their high school graduation as elective credits. This is a good bill. It allows Very any good people from any religion to instruct their kids in that religion because it's off campus uh, and it's accepted. The credits get accepted sort of in the way like transfer credit would be. Like if you went to a Catholic school and took religion courses and then transferred to a public high school, those religion courses would be applied towards your eventual high school graduation as transfer credit. This works in the same way. Uh, the religion courses are accepted by the same kind of standards that religion courses from a private school would get accepted as transfer credit. And we talked about this on the podcast a few weeks we ago did. with Jim. We did. Um, and it's it's fairly uncontroversial, unfortunately. Except <laughs> it, in the city of Sacramento yeah. on Capitol Hill. So. We're hoping this can get out of the education committee, and let's uh, keep praying and thinking and watching out for that. The next bill is AB 2775. This is a fun one. Uh, this is I, actually, We're not sure if it has much chance of winning, but we really hope it would. It's kind of what the kids call trolling, I believe. It's sort Jeff. of. Maybe what's uh, kind of a, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right. is the way I put it. You guys, you all might remember AB, two, uh, AB 775 last year. This was the horrible bill that forced pregnancy care clinics mm-hmm. to post notice saying patients could go to get an abortion, basically giving the contact information for local abortion facilities. This is AB 2775. Sort of the reverse. Mm-hmm. It forces abortion clinics to post a notice telling women that they can go to the nearby preg- pregnancy care clinic and have counseling and material assistance and help from lovely pro-life ladies who are just usually just the most wonderful self-sacrificing people on planet Earth. You can you can tell which of these two facilities is more loving, an abortion clinic mm-hmm. or a pregnancy care center, by which one takes credit cards. One of my favorite analogies. Yeah, there you go. Pregnancy care centers are always free for and willing to offer services and help for women in need so that they can make the choice for life. So we we love those gals and think they just do the best, the absolute best work. Amazing work. And and this bill has been introduced by Assemblyman James Gallagher out of the Northern California area. Really a great guy. We're (laughs) actually really excited. John and I are both going to be in Sacramento speaking in favor of this bill on Tuesday. Uh, next week, there's a pro-life lobby day on Tuesday, uh, April 19th. So a couple bills being heard that day, other pro-life bills as well. But you can find out more about that on our website. We'll put a link in the show notes here, or always you can go to californiafamily.org and find out more about the schedule for that day. But beyond those bills, we actually have some rare good news to report for a hey, change. Hey, we really do. There were two really bad bills that are not going to be considered, seemingly not going to be considered this session anymore by the California legislature. Two really bad bills. Really, these were maybe two of our top three, I'd say. Top three, mm-hmm. two of our top three worst bills. So I'm sleeping easier at night. The first of these is AB 2810. AB 2810 was basically, basically this should have been named the We Want to Kill Poor People bill. Uh, <laughs> and you may think, gosh, that's over-dramatizing things. But no, AB 2810 would have made Medi-Cal beneficiaries eligible for assisted suicide mm. medication. So proving... As 100% justified and true, all of the opinions of opponents of assisted suicide last year who were saying that this was a cynical attempt by the state to save money by encouraging poor people not to seek slightly more expensive palliative care, pain medication, things like that, and instead to cheaply kill themselves. Uh, You literally can't make this up, folks. You you literally cannot. This was the thing that some main opponents said last year, and... 
it's amazing that they were so blatant as to less than a year later introduce this and say, yeah, we want you to pay for yeah. it now too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're free. You, you, your your consciences will be free, do, free to do what you want. All you talk. Oh well, except for you, California taxpayers. The other delightful part of that bill was that because Medi-Cal is so Medi-Cal is California's version of the federal Medicaid program, and the federal Medicaid federal dollars cannot be spent on assisted suicide medication because. At the federal level, assisted suicide is still looked upon, looked askance upon. So this bill would have set up a separate fund of pure, purely California tax revenue to pay for assisted suicide. So all of your California income taxes would have gone uh, to helping your fellow citizens kill themselves. So AB 2810 was awful. Fortunately, it has been gutted and amended. So complete, all of the language about it completely stripped out, and now it's a bill about... It's, it's, they do this in Sacramento, where they'll amend the bill by pretty much entirely Xing out the entire content of the bill and then making it about something else entirely. So that's what they did here. I think now it's about like child health care or some, some less insidious thing. The other bill that got defeated was AB 1888. This was the other really bad education bill. Essentially, what this would have done is it would have cut off all CalGrants student financial aid funding for any student who attended a college or university that, as with uh, SB 1146, discriminated in any way against persons on the basis of uh, homosexuality, uh, gender identity, or gender expression. So again, if you were a Christian college and you had some policy in your hiring saying you wouldn't hire someone living in an active homosexual relationship, your students would suffer by Mm -hmm. being cut off from any state financial aid. Yep. Uh, which would have been disastrous for all of essentially every Christian Catholic university and college in the state of California, and not just for the not just for the colleges, but think of but more so for the students. Yeah, yeah, because you, they you, would have cut them off from all their financial aid, and they wouldn't be able to go to school in this horrible, evil, oppressive school that they chose to go to. They yeah. wanted to go to. They voluntarily wanted to go to. They cared about. They believed in the mission of the school, and now they can't go there. And now they can't go there, right. So uh, AB 1888, it looks like it's going to be withdrawn from consideration on the basis of basically just punishing students for the, quote, sins, unquote, of colleges and universities with whom Democrats don't agree. So I think that's the rundown. Lots of bills, lots, lots of, bills, of information. Lots of inf- Hopefully you'll enjoy uh, the information today. John, what's your Twitter handle? How can people follow you? And At John V. Girardi, but let's let's direct them more towards California Family Council because I don't tweet nearly enough. So. You can follow me personally, Jonathan Keller, on Twitter, at Jonathan Keller, and of course our main CFC Twitter page, at CA, like California, CA Family. And best website, main website to get us is CaliforniaFamily.org. You can go from there to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, find us on Facebook, watch all the videos, and yeah, just generally all that, stay all that jazz. stay connected. So, All right. Well, for Life, Family, Liberty, I'm John Girardi. I'm Jonathan Keller. Thank you all for listening. God bless. Pray for our crazy, crazy state. Amen. Talk to you next time. <laughs>